Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Plenty, I've been much ridiculed on this podcast for saying that one of the seasons of you was, I think I might have given it five stars. Because I was like, what more do you want? You've got intrigue. You've got sexiness. You've got an interesting plot. You've got really great anti-hero. Wink. Um, what more could you want from TV? You know? Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I feel like that anymore. Do you, do you retract that earlier statement? I don't think I retract my earlier statement because that was based on that season, but... This season sure as hell isn't coming close to that. <laughs> Let's get into it, eh? Hello, you. <laughs> this is I Only Like You, but do we like Only Like You, Sinead? I don't think we do. No, I think we've got off it. I think we have. Oh my goodness. Cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming for you, Lonnie. They're coming for us today. No, we do like it, actually. We love it. It's our best favourite show. <laughs> Excuse me, Pen. Sorry. No, my name's Lonnie. Her name's Danae. We have watched You Season 4, Parts 1 and 2. Not sure why it was put into two parts. Give me thoughts on that, tonight. COVID? It was a COVID thing? Oh, maybe. I don't know. It's probably filmed last year, so probably not as much. No, it's suffering from the Harry Potter curse, which then gave way to the Twilight curse and the Hunger Games curse, where it's like, what we think is the final season needs to be split into two. Yeah, Stranger Things did that too, the last season. They did two parts of it. It's just become a thing. One thing is that Netflix is tied to release everything all at once, but then they realised that things can disappear quite quickly. So perhaps mm. they want to try and generate buzz in between parts of seasons. Buzz. Like weekly drops do for other shows. Don't know if there was any buzz generated, guys. So well, that's the thing about new season four, Sine. <laughs> I feel like the earlier seasons were quite popular and people spoke about them mm-hmm. a bit. I don't know if it's just because, you know, the social media um, sphere is quite different, especially you know, Twitter's quite terrible and its algorithms and whatever these days. I haven't seen anybody talk about you, season four, part two. A few people spoke about um, season one from on my feed at least, but it feels like this one did just drop and, and dropped and dropped, you know what I mean? No one's even looked at it. What do you reckon? And so we're capitalising on that popularity by recording a podcast that no one's going to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. But certainly wasn't good, and I think I'm worried it might have jumped the shark. I, but Lonnie, I literally have a tab open about jumping the shark because I was going to say the same thing. All right, do you want to do a quick rundown on what the season's about, though? Before we... <laughs> yep. Um, there's Joe, our little Joe guy, who's <laughs> um, pretending to be 
Jonathan Moore. He's changed his name. And he's in England. And he's working as a literature professor at a uni or college there. And he's gets sort of ingratiated into this like upper class high society group of friends around there. Um and then some murders happen of the people who were the friends. And he's also got a recurring love interest with a character named Kate. Um and basically after killing his wife, cutting off his toes, leaving his baby at some random people's house, he's sort of fled America and trying to live a quote unquote normal life. But yeah, if there's so... one thing Joe can't stop doing, it's killing people. Yeah. <laughs> a point I bring up here, so end of season three, he is seen in France. And that was the big cliffhanger. Like, how did he get there? But also, what's he going to do in France now? We joked that he's going to go see Emily in Paris. Yes. It didn't happen. The best <laughs> that crossover that never happened, yeah. Imagine if they just walked like through each other's I would just I would have loved that. Just a little Easter egg in the yeah. background. Like in, um, oh, what's it called? Frozen, when they're having the ball, mm. and you can see Rapunzel coming to the ball, just like mm. in a wide shot. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted, guys. You're a Netflix show. You can make that happen for me, and you didn't. But then that's how it ends, season three. Like, oh my god, what what sort of adventures will he get up to in in um, Paris? No, he's in London. He stayed in Paris for like a day. And we spoke about soft pod. The only thing I think is that they realised that having him in France and the language issues would have been more difficult than just having him in London. Mm-hmm. Like, it's obviously easier for him to find work in English-speaking um, country. Mm-hmm. Is that what you think? Yes, absolutely. Why set up that he was in France then? Because it was a hook. It was a cliffhanger. It was like, oh, my God, he's in Paris. And then they sit down to write the next season. And they're like, yeah, this doesn't really work, does it? We didn't think about that. But they wanted to keep um, the ex in Paris, though. So that's weird, isn't it? They just have a shot of her, and she's got the like, tower in the background of her. The flat, like all oh, with her amazing, yeah, CGI background, yeah. How bizarre! <laughs> so the thing that at least season two and three, the season one's a bit different. It was on Lifetime over there in the US, and it was a bit of a different beast. But seasons two and three, I thought, were quite interesting in the fact that they um, were quite satirical. They mm-hmm. were taking aim. Season two was on Hollywood and mm. you know he's he's falls in love with love and then she's got a brother who's like trying to make it in the film world and so a lot of people mean you know a lot of satirical elements there then season three it's all about influences when they're living in mm-hmm. you know, um, that sort of world and making fun of those characters and that you know got some mileage out of the tech and influencer world yeah um, there was some like, really interesting commentary on that yeah, totally. And, and not to mention, you know, the rich kind of a consistent theme here that mm. he's not part of them, but he gets himself involved with them and then you know, can't help himself but end up killing some of them. This one, I, I guess they're trying to uh, sort of mill the same ground where they have him in a, in a rich society. We've got some aristocratic elements um, and then, you know, the artistic world as well in London. 
I don't think they went as 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 far or found that quite as quite as compelling. No, just didn't seem like they had a real point rather than these people all suck, which is kind of what they've done the last couple of times. But the last mm. couple of times, it seemed like they had more insight. Agree, and I think the jokes were cleverer, as I say the word mm. cleverer. Um, there was more to say. This is just rich people are bad. Yeah. And I, I guess it's kind of, we've already said that a couple of times. And also it's coming out in a landscape where we've had many film and TV shows recently talking about, you know, class warfare and stuff Ooh. that have done it way better than this. <laughs> so I don't know why you'd even bother really, but anyway, yeah. capitalize so the on the trend. Part of this, the first part of the season was about basically who done it because people mm. are being killed in this society that Joey's found himself in and he's kind of, wanting to be a good boy after being a bad boy for so long. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to kill people. He just wants a normal life. He's sort of, he's made it out. He just wants to, you know, be a professor at the college and, you know, live a normal life that as close as he can, given his past. Mm-hmm. But people around him are dying and he falls in love with someone again, which he just can't help but do all the time. Yeah, because um, he's obsessive, right? Yeah, that's right. And then it ends with the reveal of who done it mm. and we'll get into spoilers and you know it's it's one of it's someone who's got a similar background to him um it's old mate reese montrose who's an who's an author who's sort of pulled himself up by his bootstraps like joe has mm-hmm. um without killing people though <laughs> he managed to do it didn't he yep yeah and that's how we get into season the first part of the season okay that's all good you know what happens in the second part Sine, of of this series what doesn't happen Lee? listen spoilers from now on so if you don't want to be spoiled don't listen to the podcast um i wouldn't bother watching this but anyway i thought we had a bit of secret twins you were so excited about secret twins i've never seen you so excited i don't even know why i was so excited about secret twins but i was sort of like secret twins i'm here so he turns (laughs) up at reese montrose's house and reese montrose doesn't know who he is ends up torturing him and killing him in a moment of passion slash rage. Um, and then Reese Montrose wanders in. And I was like, mm. secret twins. Because this whole time he's teaching a class on literature and they're talking about murder mysteries and they're talking about mm. tropes with Ag- Agatha Christie and stuff. And I was like, this is great. We're being metatextual. We're using some of those tropes in our own story. This is great. Guess what, guys? Not secret twins. Guess what it was actually? It was all in his head. It was all made up. This entire season of stuff that you watched didn't happen. Do you feel like that was a good investment of your time? Do you feel like the writers are just shitting on your life and you giving up moments of your of your night to sit down and watch this happen only for them to be like, aren't you stupid? None of this actually occurred. So there's no point ever feeling scared or frightened or interested in what's going to happen because we're just going to turn around and be like psych you're stupid none of this happened we're better than you we tricked you this is the tone in which it was done i am so mad i'm so mad this is the it was all a dream he he woke up from the dream this is the the laziest plot device that anyone who has done any creative writing course in the world 
would know that you were cautioned against doing. You never do this. It's so lazy. Well, it was done in 1999 in a film called Fight Club. That's what happened. He was Fight Clubbed. He was Fight Clubbed. And I'm always interested in, like, picking up things like that. But in my head, I was like, it can't be that because there are other people around and he's talking to them in front of other people, which they knew I would do and they tricked me and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he thinks he's sort of being um, teased and compelled to do all these crazy things because Reese Montrose has um, blackmail on him and is forcing him to do murders, you know, do all the dirty work for him. And it turns out that the Reese Montrose that he's been speaking to has been just a manifestation of all the evil he thought he'd purged from himself. Mm. So I think I don't mind the idea. And the, the twist was a bit of a, we couldn't really see it coming, but I guess there was some signpost there. But I totally understand your point there about it feels like We've sort of been cheated then. It wasn't like a satisfying twist where you're like, oh my God, it all makes sense now. It was kind of like, oh, oh, okay. That's feels like it's a bit out of left field. Mm. The thing I didn't superbly like after that was the fact that Reese Montrose sticks around yeah. and is in, present in scenes and he's just hamming it up. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of lost all narrative thrust after that and he's just there being annoying. I don't find that very... No, that was boring. I, I did like the idea of him being obsessed with Reese Montrose as a character, right? In the same way that he's been obsessive about Beck and love and Marianne to the extent where he collects these little tokens of them, old chewing gum, you know, receipts, that kind of stuff in this little obsessive box. I like the the way that he, because he feels a kinship with Reese because they both came from um, poor backgrounds, orphanage sort of situations. I liked that being revealed that he he was obsessive about this guy who he completely like sort of projected himself onto. Mm. That was great, but that's where I think it should have ended. Yeah, I think I liked the idea more than the execution. Yeah, I guess they they kind of set it up by having the stalker of Lady Phoebe, who had the erotomania or whatever, and so. But that was just what yeah. he had, like, kind of that little breadcrumb, I suppose. But I don't know. I, I don't think people were... Do you feel like we were being set up for a twist? I feel like you want me to say no. No, wait. I, I asked um, the question. I don't get what your answer is, but... I mean, no, in the sense that I don't think the groundwork was done. But yes, in the sense that this show is you and it normally has a twist at the end. Hmm. This is the first time a character is revealed to be not real. Well, right? yes, yes. That totally came out of nowhere. It did. I, I didn't think we were setting up. Like, I, I, I guess that's kind of clever writing in the sense of we thought the twist was he's the one who did it all along. Mm. And I guess there are some elements that looking back I kind of felt were a bit stupid, but then I just thought it was this sort of show. Like the idea that at the end of part one, he Joe's locked in the burning building or whatever, Mm. And Reese can just walk out of it and fine, and, and no one knows he was there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Good. Yeah, I forgot about that. And the the fact that Reese kept just coming back, breaking into his house, no mm. problems. Mm -hmm. Given he's supposed to be running a mayoral campaign at the same time. Yeah, fair enough. But also, I didn't question it because that sort of show where a character could just break into a house if the plot 
requires, requires it. it you know? <laughs> I think that's why I feel annoyed is that it, I don't like it when the world sets up boundaries and expectations, right? Like that mm. people can just break into houses. And so then when we're going along with that, they're like, psych, that's not really ha- what happened. Why would you think that? Why would you think that he would break into a house? Obviously, you can't do that. And it's sort of like, but you you set up that it was a possibility. And now I'm dumb because I didn't pick something up that you sort of implied couldn't happen, you know? And so what happened with the, was it the finger with the ring or so that was never Reese Montrose? That was the other guy, right? Ignore me. I think that's my question. Yeah, Reese never did anything bad. Yeah, okay. He never actually spoke to Joe. Right. They saw each other and not on each that's other. That's right. That yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. So anything that Gil Reese did actually was Joe either pretending or doing it, but sort of being disassociated from his body and not realising it was him. Yeah. And I find that a bit weak, you know, I always said that in this, this podcast about memory loss things. That's what because, I mean. <laughs> yeah. A memory, a memory loss plot is always boring because, you know, eventually he'll remember. It was perfect in the one iteration that they did of it called Jason Bourne. That is the only time when amnesia as a plot device has actually worked out really well. Yeah, but the point of Jason Bourne wasn't that once he remembers everything, the plot's over. No. He just totally forgot. And that was kind of, he was finding what mm-hmm. happened to him. Mm-hmm. Wasn't like, yeah. This one wasn't, wasn't like that either, but it was no good. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, now, I've got a, a article here from Guardians, the name. Mm-hmm. And it could be written by you for last season because the title is You Season 4 Part 2 Review. Utterly terrible, and yet it is perfect. <laughs> That's kind of what we were thinking about seasons 2 and 3, right? Even 1. Um, so what they say here, it's a quote from Lila Latif, and we can put this in our show notes. Mm-hmm. The cast is inconsistent, the satire is shallow, plot lines materialise out of nowhere and are unceremoniously dropped with jarring frequency, yeah. and its largest twist is laughable, and yet it is perfect. I don't agree with the last part, but no. before that, I can <laughs> kind of go along with it. Um, no, yeah, They do say that Greg Kinnear and, and Charlotte Ritchie are being are the worst father-daughter casting in living memory. <laughs> and as they say that... Never mind that there are so many yous referred to in Joe's narration that it's impossible to follow who he's talking about half the time. To be honest, I kind of just, at times I was just um, 
not concentrating when he speaks about yeah i think i zoned out his monologues he's <laughs> zoning out in his monologues these days um now in the lead up to season one mm-hmm. there was the interesting article and in, in quote from pen badgley saying that he wasn't interested in doing um sex scenes anymore because of you know, out of respect to his wife yes right and that's yeah, a bit of a strange thing to say maybe but i can kind of see where he's coming from i suppose this quote here um, talks about there's a brief reappearance from Victoria Peretti as Joe's wonderfully deranged ex-wife love and only serves to highlight the dusty void of chemistry between Richie and Badgley. Yep. Here's my thing, Sine. Did did Penn also ask for no chemistry from his lead <laughs> love interest? <laughs> so, out of respect to his wife? Yeah. So that came up before part one of this season, is that right? And he said that? I Yes, he did, yeah. Yeah. I'm not here for Kate. I'm not here for Kate. They have absolutely no chemistry. Um, the show keeps trying to tell us that he has so much chemistry with her and every time it does that, I feel like it dies a little bit more. Um, yes, Vic- Victoria Peretti is... Pedretti, sorry, is amazing as Love Quinn and when she comes back, you're like, oh, this is what it was supposed to be like. This is some energy yeah. and some repartee and some tit-for-tat. <laughs> nice. Um there's just nothingness between them. And I don't have an issue with Penn saying that. I think he's quite religious and, and that's what he wants to do and that's totally fine to have boundaries. But this show, the whole point of it is that it's kind of sexy and dangerous. Like I remember a lot of think pieces mm. coming out after season one being like this show's so irresponsible. Um, it's about stalking and, you know, they fall in love anyway and he's really problematic before people realised and that's kind of the point. Mm. Um, I think it becomes an issue, the sex thing becomes an issue when it's removed from a show that's not relying on it but has had it incorporated as a theme a lot. And I don't know whether the death of this chemistry between the two leads is as a result of Penn's decision or if it was never written that way and they never had any sexiness or interesting times. Like they talk about sex a lot. They talk about having sex, but I'm never Mm. sort of um, titulated, I guess. I'm never brought into like, ooh, something sexy is happening here. This is interesting as I was, you know, in the previous seasons. Um, well, she's written as like a, a, a cold, heartless bitch, ice queen sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I think the idea is that he was supposed to be like breaking down her walls and like her boyfriend dies, but he like reignites the passion in her life and stuff. But yeah. unfortunately, you know, she just seems like not someone you want to be around or... or she's just a bit of a B word. Yeah, just nothing going for her, unfortunately. Yeah, and he's got all he's doing these. Doing but so it's, um, he does a lot of these soliloquies where he's like, "I'm so obsessed with you. I love you so much. You're, you're the reason for me being here, not Marianne. It's you. It's been you all along." And we were both like, "Is it though? Is she? Is she the one? Because it doesn't really feel like it." I I think I had trouble last season with Marianne being the next person you fall in love with because I didn't really feel much chemistry was there, to be honest. Same. And really, I think he, you know, we liked Beck in the first season Mm -hmm. the most. She was 
you could you could really tell why he's gone crazy over her and yeah you know she was a bit naughty herself she was having an affair and stuff like it was mm. a bit of back and forth there and, and love as well obviously he's got a pretty she was even worse than him like that was the kind yeah of he met he met his match right with her yeah but yeah unfortunately the, the two next ones that he's supposed to fall head over heels for i don't really get yeah and he, he's always like white knighting in season four like i've got to go protect her from her dad or from people or mm-hmm. and like oh, really you just met this person you don't even know her that well like what's the go I will say, out of the cast, my standout was Tilly Keeper, playing Lady Phoebe. Hell yeah, she was perfect. Perfectly cast, mm-hmm. perfect performance. They seemed to enjoy writing for her as well. Yes. She was giving a lot. She gave a lot of energy. It was like, oh, Phoebe's here, right? Something funny is going to be happening. Something interesting is going to be happening. Um, I saw a little quick YouTube short with her and Penn, and she said she mm. used a lot of um, Kira Knightley in Love Actually as a bit of yeah. um, a, a touchstone for her performance and sort of informing a lot of stuff, like quite breathy and a bit a bit ditzy and a bit dumb, being like, She reminded me of some of the like YouTubers that you've watched over the years too. But uh, she was the most interesting and the show was actually quite bright when she was on and, and compelling. And then I go back to Catherine. Okay. Oh, great. Here we go. What a down. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Lucas Cage Gage as Adam Pratt? Hated him. Okay. <laughs> I hated Adam. I don't know if I hated him. I don't know. A lot of the performances were just really broad and one note to me. I don't know if I was completely on board with it all. Okay. It's, it's weird. They set up like this this band of characters who were all in, influenced the life and they killed off a few of them and then sort of mm. lost track of them in season part two of the season i think mm-hmm. like the connie guy they turn up in, in the last episode you're like, oh okay yeah that guy did horses or something right yeah i didn't remember him at all at all yeah <laughs> oh that guy he was like hunting joe in the woods mm-hmm. he was mentioned again after that yeah i think the most egregious in this show this series commits he has a student named Nadia, played by Amy Lehman, who was great. And she's set up as this character who can cut through the bullshit, who's super smart, who figures out things that are going on. You know, she's sort of a bit different to everybody else, you know. he, She's his main competition in this in terms of keeping everything a secret from her and, and her trying to figure out what's going on. Toward the end of the season... She discovers Marianne is in a glass cage, classic, and decides not to call the police because of reasons? It was terrible. It was just because they wanted the plot to keep going. I couldn't understand why this character they set up to be so intelligent mm-hmm. would go along with the plot and leave a woman stuck in a cage where they could easily call the police and get her out of there it seemed like their reasoning was oh but he'll find you and kill you anyway but like not if he's in jail not if he's in jail and also you've got time ahead of him they had like eight to twelve hours there where he didn't know where he was trying to figure out what was going on that they could have worked with and like if he's in the next room and 
you trying to get her out of there would have alerted him to it. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Or if if he's somehow protected because he's, you know, friends with the mayor or something like that, you know. Yes. Put aside the fact that the mayor is in this character in the show, where alerting the police would potentially come back to bite you. But there's nothing of that. They could have set up a trap to find him. They could have got her out. They could have got the media there. It could have been reported on. And, like, maybe he escapes or something, potentially. But I think there was, as you said, there's plenty of time for them to set up a sting operation to Mm -hmm. capture him. And wouldn't that have been more interesting than he just gets away with it yet again? There was no constraint on why she couldn't call the police. Narrative constraint, emotional constraint, or physical constraint, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there was no reason that made sense in the context of the show why she wouldn't have done that in terms of how they set up her character. I just, that for me was the final moment where I was like, no, I'm out. Disengaged completely. And then they tried to do the fake out to the fake out, which was, oh, Marianne didn't kill herself. She got away. (sighs) Fine. Like I was so far removed from caring at that point that none of that had any resonance with me. I, I understand it completely. He would have gone to jail for the rest of his life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they could have caught him. Yeah. And it feels weird, like, we, we're kind of on his side because he's the main character, and so as much as we, you know, you'd think most audience members would be like, he's a terrible person and should, you know, face the consequences of his actions at some point. Mm-hmm. There might be the, the sort of thing like, oh, but we, we enjoy watching him get away with it. We, we enjoy... Um, living vicariously through him and seeing his struggles as he goes through his life as a serial killer or whatever. But, you know, look how interesting season four of Barry is at the moment because Mm. he's finally got caught and he's got to deal with a different set of circumstances. Yeah. That could have been cool. Yeah. And what about the idea of though she's so rich she can make anything happen, just hand wave the idea of... Consequences? Well, yeah, what happens in season five now? He's basically, he's got plot armor for days. It's right? the superhero thing. What's that called? Where, like, there has to be a reason why Superman can't use his powers with Kryptonite, otherwise he would clearly mm. win every fight. Like, now that there's no reason for him to worry about getting caught, there's no dramatic tension. Everything can just be yeah. fixed. And like it's always been sort of the thing. It's like he's his worst enemy because he could have just had a happy life with with Beck after he mm. weaseled his way in, mm-hmm. but then he had to kill her. And then the same with Love. You know, they had their problems in season two, but it could have worked out that he um they could have just raised their kid and been fine in season three, but he had to go find someone else and she had to go kill someone else, like that sort of thing. So I imagine he'll in season five, which is the final season. He'll end up killing somebody again, and it'll blow up in his face. But I'm not sure what they're interested in doing, the writers. Well, that's what I mean, yeah. I I actually thought this was a good place to end the series, to be honest. Like, Mm. the knowledge that he's never going to be caught, and people with privilege and power are exempt from facing consequences like the rest of us. Mm. I think that's a fine message to leave your audience with and tap out there. So are we going to watch season five? I will, but I will hate every second of it. 
I'm a completionist at heart. I can't not. It's great when you get into a hate watching phase of a show, isn't it? It's really great. Yeah, means a lot. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be me without bringing up the two Taylor Swift references in the show. Oh, please. So, the code on the door, thirteenth December nineteen eighty nine, which you picked up on. Because I heard 13th of December and in my head I went, oh, that's not going to be a Taylor reference because, like, why would this show make a Taylor reference? How weird. And you're like, did you pick up on that? And I was like, what? Her birthday. Amazing. And then they were able to use the song Antihero in the final episode, which they got access to because they would have filmed this before the um, album dropped. So they got, like, pre-release access to. Is Penn just a huge Taylor stan? Like, what's going on there with that? Yeah, I don't really understand that. I'm sure someone on the show is probably a fan. Yeah, but I just, like, I think it's such an obvious, two obvious really references. Well, one obvious reference and one just including a song, I guess. But her music isn't really used in film and TV. <laughs> it's, she doesn't write soundtrack songs, really. Um, and also Antihero is the song. Like, surely Vigilante shit or something else or maybe Karma would have been. How fun would that have been? Him trotting off and Karma's playing about because he thinks he's done such a great thing, you know. Anyway. I don't think it's that crazy, by the way, that the they used the song. Like, I don't know. Didn't the album come out, like, end of last year? Yeah, no, it's not crazy. I think it's just people are saying, like, her music's not typically used in film and TV anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like the album came out after the show or something. It's like, no, no. any time to put it on. They probably... yeah making finishing touches right up to the last minute i think it was also like how much money did they pay to get the song because mm. everywhere would have wanted it and yeah did they blow their budget on getting this song and couldn't do better things with the script like i don't know possible mm. i didn't realize that lucas gage was on american vandal was he yeah apparently hmm. there you go mm. okay so we're coming back for season five. Probably wouldn't come back for season six, but it seems like they're not making any more after this, so that's all right. Reluctantly, we're coming back for season five. Yeah, I mean, just we're just going to finish it off because that's all that's left. So. Yeah. Yeah, weird stuff. Um, it's always been a bit awkward, the show. Like, we've enjoyed watching it, but at the same time, you know, it is depicting some weird stuff. I don't think it's ever saying we approve of this no serial killer stalker but it's glamorized it regardless right so but they're aware of that though like pen was saying talking about this compared to the 10 but ted bundy show that got released and he's like you can love our guy because he's fictional and we created him but this obsession with true crime and real people like that's on the people making these shows and it's probably mm. not appropriate for them to be making these shows so I think they're doing it knowingly. Um, I think it's an interesting way to explore the themes of true crime without any of the exploitation of the actual victims or perpetrator by making it fictional. Mm. So I don't mind that in a sense. But, yeah, I think there's that tension there between you want to cheer for your main character, but also mm. surely we want this guy to face some consequences, even if it's just a more interesting narrative. Yeah. Hmm. What are you rating it? Well, I can't believe that it's it's got ninety percent on tomatoes, which you know is not really all end all, but that's that's really high, isn't it? Wow. Okay. Hmm. Maybe we did the weird ones. <laughs> mm, yeah, maybe. 
Um, I'm going to give it, I guess, two stars. Yeah. I'm going to go one and a half. One and a half. Well, commentary on social stuff wasn't interesting. No chemistry between any of the leads. Not an interesting storyline. That, That's it. That's your three pillars gone. Like, mm-hmm. what, what else do you have for me? Nothing. Yeah. I, I, I think, unfortunately, having a, a fight club scenario has made the show jump the shark a bit. Yeah. But it was interesting in the first part, which I think was better than the second part for sure. I agree. In the first part, like, he spent couple of years being a stalker and then this episode on that part of the season he was being stalked himself yeah it was a kind of turn the tables on him turns out obviously that it was him stalking himself mm. so maybe but also interesting but yeah also it was very agatha christie who done it style like they were in a mansion at some point and people kept dying like that stuff i was really on board with um particularly how it linked to his you know being a literary professor and everything so but then, yeah, again, they didn't keep that up in part two. Hmm. So, All right. Well, we've reviewed, I can't remember how many seasons, at least the second and third seasons of this mm. of this series. So I recommend you go back into our back catalogue and find those, which were a bit more complimentary on, weren't we saying? Mm, we were. From five stars to one and a half. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Sorry. Wasn't that funny? Oh, Thought I really got a good one there. Okay. No, I did laugh, but then I started coughing because we still got COVID. Why? Whose choice was that? Not mine. Thanks, Sine, for infecting me. I think you infected me, so. Mm. No, I definitely gave it to you. I definitely gave it to you. But I think we got it at the same time. We probably got the same time. Yeah. So we shouldn't see each other again. That's why I'm here. That's it. It's been decreed. All right. Yeah, as I said, back catalogs there. Sinead updates Twitter. Twitter is still a thing. It's just decaying slowly. Titanic. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.